Who's to blame? All right, all right, all right. Welcome to episode 43 of the Presequential Podcast, where we go from 1 to 45 and under 90 and discuss the life, legacy, and little-known facts about every American president. It's Ryan, Blaine, and Russ. We're so happy that you're joining us. And uh, wow, we've done 43 episodes of this, and we appreciate you listening. Thank you to all of our patrons across the country who helped to make this episode possible. Wait, say that again? We've done how many episodes? 43 plus the bonus. Oh, we've done 42. 42, don't. 42. Because of Grover Cleveland having two administrations. If you want to get early, ad-free, and bonus episodes, we would love for you to join our Patreon community, which you can click the link in the show notes. Uh, signing up takes very little time, costs five to ten bucks a month, helps us to make a ton of episodes for you, and the community is a lot of fun too. Uh, Blaine, for the 42nd time, would you please tell the people about the book that you and I read for this episode, what we're calling this episode, and what we're drinking in honor of George W. Bush. This book was called, once again, as as we've seen multiple times throughout this, the authors can be very clever with the name of the book. Yeah. And and this is another instance where the author, man, the cleverness off of the charts. This is, I mean, it's, there's this, a cheekiness to this title. Yeah. This book was called Bush. Oh. And that's it. <laughs> uh, it's by Gene Edward Smith. If you remember, he also wrote the Eisenhower book. Uh, was it FDR? Uh, I thought it was FDR. He also wrote the Eisenhower book. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay. Did we ever get confirmation if it was Jean or Jean? Jean? Uh, he's written very uh, American histories, so I almost guarantee it's Jean. Wow. Jean? Okay. Jean? <laughs> it's an assumption. I don't know if you know how Americans have felt about the French for <laughs> our entire history, but I promise we aren't calling this dude Jean. Jean? I'm trying to think if there were any other authors in this journey that we have read more than two books of more than two it's probably just him yeah i think so yeah. no had... but he he did he write fdr i know he wrote eisenhower yeah. did he write fdr yeah because i feel like he hated Wait, herbert hoover no he did because they were back to back because i made the comment yeah it's the first time we had yeah. the same author back to back and i also will say before we dive into this uh-huh. i knew going into this gene edward smith didn't like george bush mm-hmm. this book was not a positive reflection of bush know that going into the episode we knew that going into reading it so we read it from a specific lens yes period john meacham is another one that we've read two of and then i think robert dalek who did lbj and jfk back to back and then chernow who did washington and grant yeah yeah just do one mcauliffe uh john adams and Truman. Oh, good so call. So two McCullough's. Rip. But yeah. written in 2016. It's yeah. 660 pages. And mm-hmm. I'm calling this episode uh, on Bush, The Chemicals Between Us. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> machine Head. Sorry. The Machine Head. <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> Sorry. That's not what I'm calling it. Uh, I'm calling it The Inarticulate. Oh, <laughs> okay. that is my favorite. <laughs> Okay, that's fair. Uh, what are we boozing on? Well, if you remember two episodes ago, four weeks ago, we, we did George Herbert Walker Bush, uh, and, and we drank Bush beer for that episode. Tonight, we're talking about George Walker Bush, and we are drinking Bush Light. <laughs> Cheers. It's only... Cheers to you. I feel like it's the only way to do it. We actually talked about that the day of. I was like, we got to do Bush for Bush, right? And I was like, what if we did Bush light? (laughs) Perfect. Done. Cheers to all of you. We are now 
43 episodes in, 20,650. You're right. Sorry. I keep doing that. 20,650 pages read. What do you guys remember about W from living uh, through uh, his presidency? Usually we say, hey, like, what do you remember from learning about him in social studies or whatever growing up? But, uh, I mean, we lived through this. So what comes to your mind? Personally experienced his presidency. Yeah, he did. Yeah. That's true. Man, I don't know. Like, he's the very first person I voted for. I know that. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, How old were you? 18. Okay. 2004. Got it. I didn't know any better. Everybody else around me was voting like straight Republican. That's what I yep. did. Walked in straight Republican ticket. Seemed like the thing the adults would be happy about. I yeah. Man. I mean, lots know. of things. Yeah. Nine eleven. Squinty eyes. Hanging chads. <laughs> what Russ? Squinty eyes. Nine eleven. Brazilian. Al- always looking like he's looking into the sun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mission accomplished. Okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. For Brazilian people. <laughs> yeah. He could throw a pitch. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, fighter pilot. That was uh, wasn't it Ish. like a strike after nine eleven? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, it was like World Series game. He wasn't it? like refused. Didn't wasn't like the legend was he refused to put the uh, uh, bulletproof vest on, and then they were like, "No, you have to." And he was like, "It's going to be so hard to throw in this. I got to throw a strike here." Bullhorn, <laughs> bullhorn on the on nine uh, eleven uh, on the rubble. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, I can hear you. The whole world can hear you. Oh and yeah. Soon the people who knocked these towers. The dude down. that threw the shoe at him. Yeah, oh, like this yeah. could go on for oh, like, like. Yeah, we lived through this. I, I have a tangent on that. If story, we were adults, going. actually, we didn't just live through this. Yeah. We were adults, yeah. young adults. I mean, yeah. I just admit it. Like I was, it yeah. was my, the first person I voted for, and I'm not saying I'm out that out of pride. Sure. To be very clear, people change. People grow up. However. 18-year-old Blaine Zimmerman voted for George W. Bush. <laughs> I remember Will Ferrell. Uh, oh, yeah. Lauren and I will still say the word strategery around each other. I had also the bullhorn at ground zero. I, for some reason, remember the uh, the address that he made from the Oval on embryonic stem cell research because my ex-girlfriend at the time was like a biology major, hmm. and she was in, intrigued by that address. And Which I was ex-girlfriend? Like, oh, I should pay attention to this. You, you know who we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So the getting a shoe thrown at him story. So I was supposed to be singing for him on that day. What do you mean singing for him? Here we oh, go. Right. Here we this go. Is... So year one of Straight this, No Chaser. This episode is going to be four hours. This is a Rogan episode. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, Without actually the supplements. Good. Yeah. yeah. Year one of Straight No Chaser. I being... was eating elk. <laughs> <laughs> We were doing our first big round of shows to promote our first album on Atlantic Records. It was a Christmas album. We were booked to sing in the Christmas in Washington special that happens on either TNT or TBS or whatever it is. It's like an annual thing where they, like, I remember Just on the, the bill. the same thing. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was us, Darius Rucker, uh, Kristen Chenoweth. Oh. Uh, <laughs> either Casting Crowns or Third Day. I think it was Casting Crowns. Um some army opera guy who like sang Oh Holy Night or something. Uh-huh. Anyway, it was a it was a array of Gomer Pyle. Supposed to sing for the president. The president and his wife attends, the vice president, blah 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 blah. But that was the day where he was getting a shoe thrown at him uh in Baghdad at a some press thing. Two shoes. Two shoes. Two shoes. Yeah. He cool. dodged the first one. Dodged the first one. Yeah. The other yeah. dude still got another shoe off. Apparently what it's are a you looking big, for? big was he gonna make it back? Otherwise, he was, was there careful. for something. I mean, he was there yeah. to talk. I think like, they told a, them they were singing for the president. <laughs> I feel like this was canceled well ahead people. of time because yeah. he was going to Baghdad. They just didn't not, tell. They didn't want to let We him didn't down. find out. Until, I didn't know 
if he was planning to come back and then somebody threw a shoe at him. He's like, and he's guess like, I'm staying. I, guess I-, <laughs> I just remember being like, why isn't the president here? Oh, he's over. I think it was a surprise press appearance or something yeah. like that. He was never <laughs> coming to watch you sing, Ryan. You're just going to have to get over that. Well, Laura was very nice. Mm-hmm. We did not get to meet Cheney. I got to meet Wolf Blitzer that night. It's a real disappointment. You didn't meet Dick Cheney. I'm sure it was like high on your list of people to meet. I did meet so Senator cool. Orrin Hatch. Oh, of Utah, I believe. What a name. <laughs> Very tall. Yeah, it was like one of the things in Lost. I got to get over the Orin hatch. <laughs> but yeah, that he was getting a uh, shoe thrown at him that day. But anyway, I did right. get to hang out with Darius Rucker for a little bit. That was kind of fun. So nice you still sang. You just didn't oh, sing yeah. for the audience of the president. No, no. In First lady was about as good as we got there. Have yeah. you? So is that the highest rank you've ever sang for? Uh, besides Uncle Dick? Yeah, I would say First Lady Vice President. Yeah. Have you ever sung to a head of a different state? Uh, let me think about that. No. I'm just like Iowa? <laughs> the governor of Iowa? <laughs> no, not really. Did you know that the um, like head of Ikea just recently got named as like president of... The United uh, States. Uh, Sweden? Sweden? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, He's yeah. assembling his cabinet now. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Yes. Thank you for listening to episode You both 43. walked into that. <laughs> That's great. All right, let's dive in. Here we go. George Walker Bush, born on July 6, 1946 in New Haven, Connecticut. His dad's sophomore year at Yale. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you're right. Cause... Well, let's not act surprised that I jumped in there. No, I forgot that <laughs> it was. he was still in school when he was born. Yeah, Barbara yeah. was still 17. Gosh, it was yeah. fine. <laughs> he was raised in Midland and Houston, Texas with four siblings, Jeb, Neil, Marvin, and Dorothy. After his dad's graduation from Yale, the Bushes moved to Odessa, Texas in 48. Dad worked as an equipment clerk for an oil company. Texas forever. And the young family rented a tiny apartment, which was so small that they had to share a bathroom with neighboring prostitutes. I like that they (laughs) say that. uh, I wonder how much of that is true. The neighboring prostitute bathroom? No, them having an apartment at all. Like it oh. seems like a fun thing rich people make up oh. to sit, to make them seem more relatable. We lived yeah. in an apartment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. 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 And shared with neighboring prostitutes That's is right. probably like one day their neighbor and the other super expensive condos prostitute yes. left and they were like you're in the wrong bathroom. Yeah. Like, oh, sorry, I'll leave. Yeah. But oh, they, okay. they they so changed they have the story bathroom. over time uh <laughs> to make it seem relatable. Have you guys ever used <laughs> A stranger's bathroom without knowing it. That having a prostitute share your bathroom makes it relatable. (laughs) (laughs) The Bush family moved briefly to California, then returned in 1950 to Midland, which became W's childhood hometown. And as you may recall from episode 41, the dad about his uh, father, another younger sister, Robin, died from leukemia at the age of three uh, when W was six or seven. And so from a very early age, he new grief and after her death w became very close to his mom barbara um, and was a great consolation to her as she grieved Uh, he then went on to phillips academy in andover massachusetts where his dad attended a very elite boarding school and then went to yale in 64 while he was there he played rugby and baseball and followed in his father and grandfather prescott's footsteps and was a member of the secretive skull and bone society and he was a cheerleader do you remember any other presidents who cheered at their alma mater? Yeah, his dad. Yeah. Besides his at dad. Yale. Do you remember the other ones? Taft. Taft. Taft, would, no, <laughs> Taft. God, that would have been a great, amazing 
But we were both Amazing very cheer. confident yeah. in that answer. No, it's F- Washington. FDR, Eisenhower, and Reagan <laughs> all cheered at their alma mater before FDR had polio. <laughs> he had a brother named Marvin. Uh, Marvin <laughs> Bush. Yeah. Marvin Berry. <laughs> well, yeah, but we saw what happened to Marvin. The Leonardo said, DiCaprio film? Pulp, pulp Fiction. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who was Marvin? He in, only got in. I don't know. Who was Marvin in Pulp Fiction? I've seen it like once Why in high school. Not? Marvin's the dude they accidentally shoot in the back seat. Oh, Do you yeah. see a sign yeah, no, in my yeah. front yard? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you shot Marvin in the face. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. He only got in because he was a legacy. While he was at Yale, a new president came in. None of his brothers and sisters went to Yale. Because the admission standards changed. Like, being a legacy wasn't all it took at that point. Yeah. Um, he legacy to Andover and Yale. So, yeah, he did, Sorry. though, go on to get his degree in history in 68, uh, which was the same year that MLK and RFK were both killed. Vietnam's going on, of course. And he then goes into the Texas Air National Guard uh, after graduating from Yale. Okay, let's talk about that. So he went into the 147th Fighter Group in the Texas National Guard. It was a it was a unit that elites had basically created to stash their kids Hmm. during Vietnam. Something Colin Powell, a known war criminal, didn't like. Oh, it's really bad then. Yeah, he was not alone in receiving preferential treatment. 147th Fighter Group was known locally as the Champagne Unit. In addition (laughs) to Bush, the unit included the sons of Senator John Tower, Governor John Connolly, two sons of future Senator Lloyd Benston, uh, two of oilman Sid Adger, and a grandson of billionaire H.L. Hunt, who Hmm. started the the Chiefs franchise football team. Uh, Chiefs. uh, Should be the Chiefs. 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 Clint Murchison Jr. <laughs> Great googly moogly. That's a, yeah, you need a Snickers. Yeah. Clint Murchison, Murchison Jr., the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, placed seven of his players in the unit to avoid Vietnam. Hmm. Oh, admission, so they didn't see combat? Admission to the 147th, as one scholar of the period has written, was like getting into Yale as a legacy, which is almost... <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. So... Yes. Wow. He joined the military. Let's was, uh, go with that. Was Fife Symington in that as well? Do you remember old Fife? Simpleton. Oh, yeah. No, he we talked about him. Fife Symington. Two episodes ago. It was compared to, it was compared to getting into Yale as a legacy. Yeah, so it was almost like once <laughs> W got in, they were like, This is it. We know what the comparison is. Fun fact about while he was at flight training. Okay. Richard Nixon uh-huh. flew him to DC to take Trisha on a date. Richard Nixon pulled George W. Bush out of flight school, flew him to D.C. so he could take his daughter, Trisha on a date. He wow. tried to create, like, wow, a patriarchy. Well, let's think about that, because at that point, his dad, H.W., Didn't, was the ambassador to China under Nixon. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So they would have yeah. crossed paths. Yeah. No, he, but didn't, wasn't Nixon successful? In setting one of his daughters up with like a Rockefeller or something no, like that? No, it was no. Eisenhower. Eisenhower's son. Yeah. Or grandson? Maybe Mary was, Trisha. 
Camp David married, yeah, the David in Camp David married Trisha, I believe. Yes. So I think that it was Eisenhower's Nixon grandson. Went out of his way to try to create a freaking legacy. Hold thing. on. It was Julie Nixon. And Julie. David Eisenhower. So, <laughs> Julie. So that's what it was. Nixon had one headlight. <laughs> and he, his one focus was to get one of his daughters married to a different presidential legacy. He was like, hey, hey, hey. Come on, have a Trisha. If not, try Julia. Why can't it be a Bush or an Eisenhower? That's a really good Jacob Dylan impression. So, Thank you. I mean, I know how much you love Bob Dylan. Oh, I I'm just a big Jacob fan. I, <laughs> I can't stand Bob. I love Jacob. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he's... Uh, in the I d- think it's important that we remember that we got started because Nixon flew him from the champagne <laughs> unit to Thank you very date much. Trisha. Thank you. That's ridiculous. Thank you for bringing that How back did up. the date go? Clearly not well. Yeah, the, well. I, you haven't heard of Trisha Bush, have you? No, Laura. No, we haven't. We Laura, haven't. who killed someone. <sighs> Doesn't mean it didn't go well. <laughs> no, that happened while she was in college. Mm-hmm. Four-way stop accident. Car wreck. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Oof. Did yeah. she, just not, she just didn't see him coming or something? What was no, going on? I think he only had one headlight. Oh. <laughs> Hey, hey, hey! Bush entered Harvard Business School in the fall of 73 and was honorably discharged from the Air Force Reserve in November of 74. Graduated in... What What was his job in the Air Force Reserve? No, but the reserve. Okay. Yeah. So he didn't publish things ever a really go down during World War Two. Yeah. We'll call you or Vietnam or World War Two. <laughs> he didn't even have like a fake thing he was supposed to be doing. Don't you remember your boy by? Uh, he was writing Dan Quayle. Yeah, he sorry. Did a newspaper. Man, I, I went with, Evan, I went with Evan personal Bai? bias there, and I was yeah. like, "What about this other guy? I don't like." <laughs> did you bring up Evan By right there? I did. Yeah. Wow. It's like, what did you just say? I actually did that, now that I think about it, on accident in the uh, tags of H.W. Uh, oh. Bush because I tagged bye, bye, bye because I thought it was funny. <laughs> Do you think anybody... But I spelled it like Evan Bye. B-A-Y-H. Do you think anybody ever said, son of a birch? Oh, right. I hope so. Yeah. Birch so Bye is kind of a cool name. Regardless yeah. of politics, Birch Bye is a Facts. cool name. Yeah. Graduated in 75 from Harvard Business School with an MBA degree. He's the only president to date to have earned an MBA. <laughs> he then started... Russ, you just laughed. Oh, I have an MBA. He didn't earn anything ever. Right? Oh, that's fair. To right. receive he an earned MBA? bad, uh, you know, feedback. Yeah. Let's say he received... He definitely it. earned that. He, re- yeah. he walked out with an MBA. Okay. <laughs> that's... <laughs> Probably the best way of describing what I did, too. (laughs) They they let me get away with it. I got my paper now. (laughs) Uh, He then started working in the oil industry in Texas. I knew he followed in his father's footsteps, but I didn't realize that much. So he went to Andover, then to Yale, was a cheerleader, skull and bones. Granted, H.W. didn't go to Harvard for his MBA. But then he followed in his dad's footsteps, went into the oil industry. I mean, that's five things. To your point, he was like, well, he did it, so... I'm sure if I just do that. To a certain point, work. I'm sure a lot of it was prescribed for him. Andover, you're going to go to Yale. I don't know. I don't know. I think that he thought, like, I know if I just do the same stuff my dad did, I see it what you're worked saying. for him. Yeah. 
copy so and paste. It should probably work okay. for me. Okay, like somebody's already made the map for me. All I have to do is follow the. Gosh, as as we're talking about, it, I'm like, wow, he was a pilot as well. I mean, granted, his dad was flying combat in World War II, and he's in the Champagne unit. Yeah, but I'm like, even that of like, what what do you want to go into? It's like, well, I'll go do what Dad did. I think, I think he just. Like, really genuinely looked up to his dad. I think so. Like, I think that he really yeah, did, and he was like, well, he was super successful. Yeah, he's a stud. If I do all the same stuff he did. Sure. And I don't think that he thought about it from a, like, of course I'll I'll get to do it. Yeah. They'll let me. I think yeah. that he thought, well, my dad did this, so I should do this too. Yeah. But because of the America we've created, yeah, the leadership was like, oh, crap, his dad did it. We got to let we him gotta go. We got to let him in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so he's in Texas working in the oil industry. This is probably his 30s. You know. Spectrum 7. Uh, yeah, that was the name of the oil company, right? That he that he founded? No, no. Or no, he didn't found it. He he, he founded Bush Exploration. Yeah. Uh, and it like started floundering. Spectrum 7 was like, I mean, you have good land, so we will buy it. Yep. Bought the company and named him president and CEO. Because clearly he was doing such a great job. <laughs> it's like, Bush, well, your last, name Bush. Is, your last name's right. Bush Exploration would be a good name for a gynecologist's office. Oh, oh, it really man. would be. It'd be great. Bush Wait, why? Explain it. I can't. Mm. <laughs> that would be right next to making memories. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. It'd be better if cosmetic they were surgical brothers center. and their dad was like an actual doctor that cared about things. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> Bush pediatrics. And they were and like was, Bush like yeah, children. Like, yeah, it would be like there was the dad George uh, Stevens. Yeah, and then like at making memories is is George Stevens Jr. Oh yeah, and at. Butch, Bush exploration. Bush it's it's Jeb Stevens. <laughs> Jeb. Like not. It doesn't have anything to do with this episode. That's oh, just that's what funny. their names are. Yeah. In our little fantasy world of just creating it on the spot. And then there's there. the little plaque for Marvin Stevens who didn't quite make it. Hey, what happened to Marvin Bush? Man, I don't know. Look it up. I, mm, I bet up. you he died in like very young, and you're gonna feel bad about this. Like Robin. He could have died young. I'm still like a. That's true. It probably it was probably it softball softball related. Yeah, Cheney did it. Isn't there a? Uh, <laughs> there's like a there's like a third or fourth generation Bush who's still active in politics. I believe. I think he's in Florida somewhere. Maybe he's back You're in Texas. About Jeb. No, I think his name is something P. Bush, like Prescott. Oh, yeah. I think there's, there's a younger no way they were. Yeah. There's a younger politician. Maybe it's one of their sons. Anyway, clearly we're non-biased. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was at a backyard barbecue in Texas in '77, and some of his friends introduced him to school teacher and librarian Laura Welch. After a three-month courtship, she accepted his proposal, and they were married in November of '77. Three months. Okay. Bush left his three fam- months after three months. Three mo- okay. Yeah. What's her background? I don't remember that really coming out of the book. All I know is that besides she, she killed that guy. <laughs> School teacher and a librarian is all I had. Uh, she was also it was to be to be fair. It was an unregulated four way stop, meaning it was probably in the country in Texas. There were no stop signs, and she probably I'm not, still I'm feels not saying anything about, bad about yeah. Laura. She didn't. She committed zero war crimes in this story. She probably still feels very bad about it. Agreed. Agreed. She was Methodist, and Bush left his family's Episcopal denomination to join the Methodist Church. 
about four years after they were married, Laura gave birth to fraternal twin daughters, Barbara and Jenna, who were named after their grandmothers. And I can never remember. There were people named Jenna like a long time ago. I assume that was a new thing. Uh, I don't know. Hmm. I, it's probably her. It's probably Laura's mom. What was what was Laura right, Bush's mom's name? I'm just saying, name? like there were, like yeah, it seems like a newer name is what it, you're saying. It'd be like saying like this is Brendan named after his great great grandfather. Really? <laughs> I thought it would have been Mordecai. <laughs> this, is, this is Aiden named after his great great uncle. Like those things don't make sense. McKaylee. Yeah. It's like M C A. This is rifle with a Y. This is Maddox. Named after the thing we love. <laughs> this is Haley. What? We that was a bad Haley's example. comment. Oh, oh what we were texting. Yeah, that, that made it. sense. Haley's, Everybody Haley's. on the podcast saw our text message earlier, Russ. <laughs> I figured you'd follow up after that. Oh, speaking of Haley, nobody knows how to spell it. Haley's comment every 76 years? Yeah. 76? Last time was 1986. Okay. Uh, so we were all alive for it, and hopefully we aren't alive for the second time. Yeah. Can uh, you guess... What Laura Bush's mother's name is. Jenna. Jenna. It is Jenna. You're right. There it is. <laughs> Jenna Welch. Yep. Uh, of the famous Welch. The great thing about Haley's magnate. Comet. What? Wait. The thing about Haley's Comet. That's not true, right? No, no one knows how up. to spell Haley's Comet mm-hmm. because the scientist it was named after, who was friends with Newton, like the actual Newton. Oh, I didn't know that. Never really knew how to spell his own name. So in different (laughs) scientific documents, it's H-A-L-L-E-Y. There's some that's like H-A-I-L-E-Y. And there's some that are like H-A-L-L-E-I-G-H. Like he at some point was like, actually, I'm Irish. (laughs) H-A-L-L-E, the Halle Berry comet. I wish that there was like a co-astronomer who was like John Berry. Yeah, and when it comes across the sky because of its like... Tail, they're yeah. like swordfish. <laughs> Wait, he just spelled it a lot of different ways, Maybe or people they... just took like artistic <clears throat> liberties. When... Bless you. No, in his documents, he spells his own name differently. Be- mm-hmm. Like it was the 16th, it was the what 17th century, it was the yeah. 1600s. They didn't know, yeah, but you pick one and you move forward with that. Why would you spell uh, your name? It says 22nd, 21st century brain. That's good. No, what they. He, he, he changed friends, the spelling was, of his last he name? He was friends with the guy that found out about gravity. They they were <laughs> going from a very small baseline, Russ. Oh, that's true. Isaac Newton didn't know how to spell his last name either. <laughs> he probably didn't. Until <laughs> the apple fell on this his head. This is when Mozart is writing music without being able to hear. Nothing <laughs> no, makes sense. No, no, no. That's true. That's Beethoven. Beethoven. <laughs> that's Beethoven. Doesn't matter. Mozart wrote when he was like four years old. He composed his yeah, symphony. Uh, we're dealing with four-year-olds. That's great. You still can't sell me on the premise that most people spelled their name differently because they didn't know how to spell it. <laughs> A lot of them died because they pooped in the same bowl they ate out of. Zachary yeah. Taylor. Uh, uh, if you bowl, do that, you're probably not great at spelling. <laughs> this soup tastes like shit. <laughs> Marvin Berry? Was, by the way, I was at a soccer game yesterday for my kids. I love this episode right now. One, one of the parents had just got back from Vegas for a work trip, and like the grandfather was there. Couldn't tell what side. Boy, I wish I heard the entire conversation, but what I did hear was, well, you're in Vegas. Did you eat any soup? 
And I was like, okay, I'm in. I'm in on Wonder. And and the guy was trying to be nice, and he was like, I'm sorry, soup? He was like, yeah, Jeannie, soup in Vegas. He was like, no, I... I didn't get any soup this nope. time while I was out there. Why? And he's like, never eat soup in Vegas. Oh, the no. bowls. And then a goal was scored, so a lot of noise oh, happened. And you're like, what's in the just, bowls? And then the noise died down, and he was like, and it's only at the bottom, so you just, you never eat soup in Vegas. And I was like, what happened in the <laughs> middle of that? Yeah. I got the beginning and the end. <laughs> yeah. Never eat soup in Vegas. Never. Like, that is... That's the key takeaway. We right, can't back to George Bush. Yeah, he lost oh. a house run in '78. He helped his father's campaign he for the presidency. He got out Texas in '88. He got out Texas. That's right. That's what he said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't remember who beat him, but it doesn't really matter. He lost. So he goes to Washington. He's helping his dad out with his campaign for the presidency in '88. The year later, in '89, he organized a group of investors and purchased the Texas Rangers baseball team, which brought him a lot of publicity. In the state of Texas, he sold the team in '98. He was a, for okay. fifteen million dollar profit. I need to bring Russ in on this. Yeah, oh. and no offense, Ryan. No, you're about to talk one, sports, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. He had one point eight percent ownership of the Rangers, but he was still made a managing partner. In huh. his time at the Rangers, the most significant thing he did, which is relatively significant to sports in general, the designated hitter rule, he traded. Sammy Sosa for Harold Baines, like a 38, mm. 39 year old Harold, the guy we know from baseball tonight. Oh. oh, he traded for Harold Baines at the end of Harold Baines career because it was one of those things that management was like, he's a big name. People will buy tickets to watch this guy. Huh. He traded Sammy Sosa. Wow. I don't pre- know who that is. That angers me, and that joke's not funny. <laughs> you don't know who Sammy Mr. No, I, I wear I a Cubs hat to no, every I, recording. I, I, don't, I know Sammy oh, I was going to say. Traded, <laughs> like, he had the opportunity to make the Texas Rangers one of the two stories of 1998. There were mm. only two, and one was in Chicago, and one was in St. Louis. Mm. Good night. Traded Passed yeah. on him. Like, a, what, 18-year-old Sammy Sosa? Yeah, it must have been. Harold Baines. I mean... Oh, like he, he was good. Not like don't get me wrong. Harold How Baines. Good was he? I used to be a very, very big baseball guy. Yeah, not anymore. But like I went to college, my intent was to be a baseball announcer. That, really, I was a big baseball guy. Harold huh. Baines was That's really cool. good for a while. Yeah, he was not good anymore. Mm. When George Bush sent Sammy Sosa to the Cubs for Harold Baines. Well, the whole ventilator mask is going to prevent you from playing baseball <laughs> yeah. well too. Maybe that's why he started wearing it. it. Was the end of his career? Became an international terrorist, yeah. which then brought him back yeah. to Bush once the global war on terrorism. Oh yeah, started. what are we talking about? Oh, you obviously haven't seen Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's name is not Harold Baines. It's Bane. It's Bane. Z- it's <laughs> he comes from the Baines family. Yes, that's right. It's, it's Harold Baines. Baines when he's with it's his Harold, family. It's Harold Baines, and he shops at Kroger's. <laughs> Uh, after he stops by the Myers. Uh, from 95 to 2000. You were merely born. Oh. I was born in the Kroger. <laughs> that is a cool twist later in that movie that you realize. <laughs> you merely lived in the Krogers. I was, I was born, born in, in the Kroger. <laughs> the frozen foods. What was that movie about the baby that was born in Walmart? Batman. 
Batman no. Returns? No, uh, the Walmart baby starring uh, Matthew Broderick, I think. No, there was a movie with, uh, with Natalie Portman where she has a baby in a Walmart. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Named oh, America. Black Swan. Star Wars 3. Black Swan. Both of them. Star Wars 3. Yeah. 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 Star Wars 3, episode 2. Because the Black one Swan. Walmart catches on fire. Garden State is and what no. you're thinking. <clears throat> nope. Anyway, it was a really good movie. Natalie mm. Portman? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I saw her portray Anne Frank on Broadway, and it was something. Yeah? Yeah, it was terrifying. She kind of looks like her. Well, she did a great job. Yeah, she, she was br- in Lazy Sunday, the the music video. Sunday, Lazy Sunday. What's Garden Lazy- State? Oh, Garden State. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was anyway. that song you were singing? That was the one that was forcefully put on all of our iPhones. <sighs> that was Sunday, Bloody Sunday, but it was by U two that had I, an album that was forcefully put on. I was all right. recently yeah. watching the Manti Teo documentary. The who? Manti Teo. I don't know who. That he was is. the one that got catfished at Notre Dame. You remember Russ. Still don't know what's happening. Mm. There was a linebacker at Notre Dame. He had a girlfriend. He dedicated. One of my favorite things about watching documentaries, especially from recent times, are when they show news clips from the time of the documentary (laughs) talking about the thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And And there's the bottom line of those news clips. The scroller. The the scroller. Man, during the Manti Teo documentary, which would have been what when that news came out, 2011, 2012, one of the... The scroller things was like Joshua Tree Spider named after U2's Bono. Oh. Oh. Okay. <laughs> like those are the great things you see on the scroller. Wait, Just news a- producers desperate <laughs> for content. <laughs> that tw- exactly 10 years later, yeah. I was like, why was there a Joshua Tree Spider? Why did we... Was this... Were they naming spiders <laughs> after the guy who was on everyone's phone? Wait. Is there a spider out there named Bono? In Joshua Tree... Oh, Aptosticus Bonoi, uh, or Bono's Joshua Tree Trapdoor Spider, <clears throat> is a morphological species of something, spiders. They're nocturnal, and they seize their prey by <laughs> sort of forming some sort of trapdoor in the dirt. Oh, But it's the Bono dope. Spider. Let's get to the 2000 election. Ahead. You know, for those of you who didn't live through it, it very highly contentious. Uh, he and Dick Cheney lost the popular vote to Gore and Lieberman by slightly over half a million votes, but won the Electoral College by five votes. It went to the Supreme Court. There was a recount in Florida that then Gore sued to have a manual recount, went to the Supreme Court. They decided that the Florida count was accurate. So Bush became 43rd president, the second son of a president to occupy the Oval Office, the first being... John, Adams. John Quincy Adams in 1825. So there you go. That's it how was, it became pretty. So I thought it was weird that uh-huh. out of 660 pages, which we went over 20,000 a night, didn't we? Did we we did. A, okay. We did. I found it weird that the book, which is over 660 pages, and we went over 20,000 a night, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, huzzah. Very briefly touches on the Florida election. Yeah, this like was very weird. Very briefly. Yeah. This was the JFK's version of the assassination that was yeah, like like two pages if that super weird yeah. one thing that they did point out that i never thought about until then mm-hmm. clinton could have very easily just pulled a grant and hayes oh okay like very easily could have just hired a commission yeah go down there make a report and then okay. you decide who wins florida yeah Interesting. and gotten rid of all the recount stuff yeah and he didn't and that's Hmm. Very interesting to me. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't think Like, of that. there's precedent for the president mm-hmm. to do that. There's presidential presidents. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's take a break. And then when we come back, uh, we're going to dive on in. And man, I can't wait to hear about Dick Cheney from our good boy, Russ. You're listening to the inarticulate of the Presequential Podcast. Here's a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Facing the transition out of the military is rarely easy. It doesn't help that the staggering number of options you're faced with can be overwhelming. But there's a light at the end of that tunnel for all veterans. And that light shines brightest here in Indiana. Lucrative careers in fast-growing industries are plentiful. Housing costs are amongst the lowest in the nation. And you can live in the country while being less than an hour from a world-class city. At InVets, we're showing veterans how to translate the valuable skills they've learned to the civilian world while connecting them with careers they can be proud of so they can lead fulfilling, purposeful lives. Go to InVets, that's I-N-V-E-T-S dot org. Create a profile to learn more about Indiana communities, browse the current open job openings in these communities, and receive your free shirt. That's InVets, I-N-V-E-T-S dot org. Welcome back, friends. All right, so Bush, he's in office, takes office in January of 01. And then, of course, an event that we all, well, I shouldn't say all of us, maybe there's some younger listeners, but uh, we certainly lived through Tuesday, September 11th, 2001, uh, the attacks on New York City and D.C., and then, of course, the plane that crashed in uh, Pennsylvania as well, resulting in the deaths of over 2,900 people. Bush ordered Operation Enduring Freedom. Okay, we have to talk about where he found out. Okay, so yep, he was- good point. Oh, yeah. Reading a book, he was at an elementary, was at elementary school, school I think in Florida. Florida. Yeah, he was reading a book. Yeah, something about a goat. Yeah, and I mean it's a famous like thing. A guy walk, walks in story. and whispers in his ear, mm-hmm. and he, to his credit, in that moment doesn't like cause panic. I don't remember if he finished the book or. I don't think he did. He did. I think he waited for a time where it was like, he okay, like we're going to cut. Yeah. Hey, we've got to go do this thing. I did find out earlier today what they said was the second building has been struck. Mm. America's under attack. That's what the guy told him okay. in his ear. Because they mm. were already tracking the first building was yeah. hit. Yeah. They didn't know if it was like an FAA issue or whatever. Sure. Right. So where were we all at? We we can't. We'd be we doing can't a not. Poor job right. as yeah. podcasters. Yeah. To I not guess. say that. Yeah. And I mean, we, this is obviously a two-termer, so we, we don't want to do a discredit to anything that happened, but we also, for the sake of time... Oh, no, your... I want to discredit a lot yeah. of things that happened. Let's do it. Okay. two terms. I'm just saying I want to honor our listeners' time and our time. Um, I was uh, Kelly School of Business at IU. It was uh, a marketing research class, and I realized no one was in the classroom, so I went down to the hall to the student lounge, and everyone was around the TVs. And I saw the second tower get hit. The first thing I thought was someone just started World War III. Then I thought about my uncle uh, who was in the Air Force, uh, and I didn't know where he was. And so I got concerned for what he was going to have to do. Um, But yeah, oddly enough, I learned later in life that my dad most likely, had we not stayed in Indiana, he would have continued his naval career to go to D.C. and work in the Pentagon on the side of the really? Pentagon that was hit. He knew of several, because there was a, a naval public affairs officer contingent that was um, working on that side of the Pentagon. But yeah, I was at IU sophomore year, junior year, junior year, sophomore year. What about you? I was at my parents' house with, I remember I was with my dad and we were, watching i think he was watching like a 24-hour news yeah. type of thing in the background and then the first plane hit 
And, you know, I started watching like everyone else. Yeah. And then bing, bang, boom. Yeah. I was at, we were taking the ice step test. Hmm. It was a sophomore in high school. Yeah. Standardized and test here in Indiana for those of you who aren't Hoosiers. We were on lunch break and this kid, actually I can say his name because I don't know what he's doing. It's John Munden, who is like the uh, class clown, was like, somebody blew up the world trade again. And I remember like relative, relatively distinctively being like, that's not funny. Hmm. Like, I don't know why, like, cause I thought he was just trying to make some joke about the Biggie Smalls song. Oh, okay. That we talked about in the last. Funny. Yeah. I think he was trying to make a joke about like the original world trade. Like he, mm-hmm. cause he was that type of like humorist, if you will. And I was like, dude, that's not funny. And he was like, no, seriously. Like everybody's in the hallway. Hmm. And a bunch of us left the cafeteria and we stood in the hallway and watched yeah. that. That They sent everybody home pretty much immediately. Yep. Uh, my dad is a fireman and he has like small space and all this other training. I remember watching the rest of the day's coverage of it. Sure. And wondering if we were, because they called all the fire department in, like just like to be on call for whatever. Yeah. And I remember sitting in my parents' bedroom, like waiting for some word on, is he going to New York Mm. or is he going to, but then I was was also working at McDonald's at the time. So I jumped on my bike when it was about to be time for my shift and rode my bike. And as I was getting, I don't know, halfway between my house and the McDonald's, which is like a quarter mile. There were a bunch of cars like parked on the road. I was like, that's weird. And they were all parked to try to get gas because everybody panicked. And it was like, well, we have to get gas now. Yeah, right. Uh, oh, and yeah. I got to McDonald's and they were like, oh, no, we're not opening the yeah. store. Yeah. You can go home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, a day that changed the world forever. Operation Enduring Freedom was ordered by the president, which was the invasion of Afghanistan to overthrow the Taliban. How do you say it, Blaine? Taliban? Taliban? I say Taliban. I, think, I say Taliban. Yeah, I, think I don't know why. I need to ask them how they want to I be. I don't know why. I address. say Taliban. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And again, so much of this we, we live through. So to go through all the details of it, I mean, everybody has their own somewhat, you know, experience of uh, how you look through those days, of course. There was a fledgling democracy that was installed in Afghanistan. And then the Bush administration turns its attention to Iraq and its dictator, Saddam Hussein. And so Afghanistan was obviously left then in a precarious state, threatened by instability and violence. Uh, The Patriot Act soon followed. He Um, had a 92% approval rating after Because he wrapped himself in the flag. To your point, Freedom Prize. Yeah. Yeah, and interestingly enough, too, and maybe we're jumping ahead, but one of the... I think he was the president who had the highest approval rating and the lowest mm-hmm. at the same in the same time in office. Yeah. He named the Axis of Evil. Yeah, that was a little bit later in a uh, in a State of the Union address. Yeah, North Korea, Iran, and, uh, and Iraq. Iraq. Yeah, sorry. There was also I forgot about this, but doing some research, I, I was reminded there was that anthrax scare in D.C. the same fall, and Bush ordered one and a half billion dollars for defense against bioterrorism. January of 02, he signed the No Child Left Behind Education Reform Bill with bipartisan support. 
and that offered local authorities greater flexibility in spending federal dollars for education, uh, but it also required standardized math and reading tests. Uh, yes, you mentioned that was the 2002 State of the Union address that he mentioned, Axis of Evil. He then expanded the Office of Homeland Security to oversee 100 different organizations the summer of 02. He started making decisions on enhanced ter- interrogation techniques. Yeah. Russ, go ahead. I, you guys keep saying that he made these decisions like... He didn't, right? This was all Cheney. Cheney, well, I mean, Cheney had the access of evil. Go ahead, and, go down the line. Yeah, I mean, we don't, tell us we don't have Cheney. to. Yeah, do Cheney I'm just now. Saying, do Cheney now. Do Cheney now. Okay, I like, think that is know. a narrative that yes, he was a puppet of Cheney. But in, I, I, in well, the book, it, while I agree with you, there were certain things that he wanted to be like. I want control. I want to be able to say I did this. I was sure, the decision but, maker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, but right. let's let's go. I mean, you've 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 been this vice presidential guru on the on the team since we since we started, and uh, here we go. You are already preparing yourself emotionally. <laughs> I can right. tell it in your face. Let's dive in. Here we go, Dick Cheney and uh, Blaine. Here's another beer. Thank you. All right, head for the mountains of Bush. Feels like you're light. digging in a mountain. Like how big is that? Cooler? I was mining for it. <laughs> All right. Like, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Go ahead. I had a very, like, high-level idea of Cheney, where he was from, what he did, you know, just the general Darth Vader of all of it. But the more you look into it, it just gets worse and worse. All right. Uh All right. All right. All right. Richard Bruce Cheney. His his middle name is is Bruce? Dick Bruce. Dick is short for Richard? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's wrong. Yeah. With it. yeah, Richard Bruce Cheney. Yeah, yeah. Weird. His father was actually uh, Richard Cheney. Also, I just like <laughs> to think of his father's last name as Cheney hyphen. Also, <laughs> that's what I thought. He was real said. progressive. Yeah, he took his wife's last name too. <laughs> his dad was Richard Cheney. Also, okay, hyphen. Also, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And he married uh, Marjorie Dickey. And so it would have been Dick and Dick Dickie. Dickie. Dick and Dickie. Oh, that's that's fun. You yeah. know that's what they were called back in the hills of South Dakota. That's yeah. where they're from, like South Dakota? Wyoming. Wyoming. Wyoming, yeah. Wyoming. Dick and Dickie. Same yeah. thing. Uh, Cheney's grandfather actually fought in the Civil War. Cheney's grandfather? <laughs> Dick Cheney? Like Dick the Cheney's vice president, grandfather. Dick no, Cheney? Richard Cheney, his dad's grandfather. So his great grandfather fought, fought in the, the Civil War. Yeah, which makes sense. Probably for the Confederacy, based on what we know. He fought thirty-four battles and marched with Tecumseh Sherman from Atlanta to the sea. So he, yeah, he did that. He was in the Civil War, thirty-four battles. He burned Tecumseh. Man, he, so this dude's. He watched Atlanta burn. Yeah. For sure. Was with my, like, hero. One of my heroes. For yeah. Sherman. For sure, man. I mean, it's one of the two people on my desk. Yeah. Yeah. Now you have to fun. put Dick Cheney seniors, senior, senior, hyphen, also. Also. <laughs> <laughs> this is my ancestor. <laughs> Dick That does Dick. sound like something uh, Anchorman yeah. Will Ferrell would have said from the phone booth. <laughs> Dick f- Cheney senior, senior, <laughs> Dick. Jeez, one of my senior, favorite aspects of, of uh, Ron Burgundy's character is that no one ever dives into it, but he's of Mexican descent. A hundred percent Mexican descent is what he says. <laughs> he's like, as a full-blooded, authentic Mexican, <laughs> I take umbrage to that. It's fully I mean, Mexican. according to him. Yeah, according to him. <laughs> go ahead, uh, I'm Ron Burgundy. Dick Cheney got a full scholarship to go to Yale from right. uh, an oil tycoon. 
Baron Tycoon. Baron Walker Bush. You know what? They never disclose who it was. Mm, when was I he read. at Yale? And there's only like two or three oil people <laughs> from Yale. When was he at Yale? I'm I'm intrigued by this. I wonder if there was he's any overlap. Be the same. You no, know, he's older than uh, W. Yeah, he's, he's well older than he's old. Oh, he's absolutely. Actually, yeah, because he was uh, yeah, Ford's sure chief of staff, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so he might even be older than H.W. Or uh, Biden. He's still not older than Biden, right? Biden no, was born I think in he's older. Eighteen seventy-eight, I think. Yeah, but Dick Cheney was in the Civil War. He yeah. marched with Sherman. He marched we just with about that. Yeah. Sherman. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying Sherman, to find out. Gerald Ford, George W. Bush. W. Yeah, That's, all mm-hmm. burned Atlanta. Yeah, yep. <laughs> to the ground. There it is. So he got a full scholarship to Yale because okay. he was a promising young student. Was he now? Uh huh. Except, quote, beer was one of the essentials of life. Was one of his main quotes like I'm, if you were you know when you graduate high school they put yeah. those little yeah. quotes under you yeah. that would have been his that's why that's and why he Thicke ended and I up got being in the vice presidency and not in the supreme court uh, yeah that's a good that's a good weird point. that's that's why dickie and i were so tight <laughs> i like beer he we got kicked enjoyed, out of yale both enjoyed beer yeah at yale oh we're talking about different people sorry who are you talking about brett kavanaugh oh i was talking <laughs> about <laughs> oh, yeah. he got kicked out of yale for okay. Liking beer. For liking beer. A okay. lot. All right. And then, so he went back to Wyoming, and he became a lineman for the county. <laughs> hey, that's a good job. Yeah. No, I was going to say it's a great song. I yeah, was laughing I was at the quote the of the song. song. Oh. I'm a lineman for the county. Bush. Head for the Bush beers. Wichita lineman, Glenn Campbell. Really Wichita. good song. Mm. And, and it starts Wichita out saying, falls. I'm a lineman for the county. Yeah. Falls. You've Wichita definitely falls. heard this song. And I rode the midnight train, I think. Anyway. To Georgia. Continue. He became a lineman for the county. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he continued to booze until it got to a head, a if you game. will. And his girlfriend at the time, Lynn, Dickens? eventually became Lynn Cheney, got him to quit. Okay. And then drinking that's quit drinking. being a lineman. Well, both. Because yeah. <laughs> he, well, he, he quit drinking to kind of turn his life around. And then he was yeah. like, why am I, what am I doing up here? Yeah. I'm way too high off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he graduated. How did I get here? He graduated. <laughs> Just guy. like that, he gets sober one day and he's at the top of a telephone pole and he's like, "This is far too high. I, what am I doing?" Hey, so there's Back. a parallel there with George W. Though I'm saying with him and and Cheney, there's a parallel of one of them drink. physically was high, the other one used to get high. Yeah, at Yale. Yeah, well, well yeah. the other one got kicked out. Yeah, it really but the, goes the, the drinking, opposite way. As far as both being consumed with alcohol for a long time True. of their life, then turning around. But if you trying if, to. if you step back and you say, and somebody says, George W. Bush went yep. to Yale, yep. and Cheney went to Yale, mm-hmm. who do you think was kicked out for drinking? The last person you'd think would be Cheney over Bush, right? right? Yeah. 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 Interesting. Anyway. Okay, so he's a dropout from Yale. Yep, and then he cleaned himself up, and he graduated from Wyoming. Cowboys. Cowboys. Yeah. Cheyenne? Laramie. Laramie? Laramie. Yeah, Laramie. So he got into politics, and that's where he met Okay. Uh, Donald Rumsfeld. <laughs> yes, uh, and yep. they both worked together in the Ford administration. And they worked under Nixon as well on the Cost of Living Council. Uh, oh, the... Cola! Uh, as Jay-Z would say. <laughs> Shut <Shia. laughs> You ready, beat <laughs> The Cost of Living Council, the COLC? Yeah. Oh, they were on that? Yeah, everybody knows that. Oh, yeah. That yeah. old chestnut? Mm-hmm. Like, they figured that out? Cost like, of Living. Yeah, that makes me doubt everything. 
It makes me doubt every whatever just the now? whatever the original formula was that they welcome, came up with. Welcome to the club. Yes. It's like Bill Gates trying to uh, guess how much a minimum of milk wage costs. is still the same as it was like 1972. Cost so. of living. Let's uh, just throw a dart. Hey, in. let's. You know what we should do? We should never increase it while we always increase prices. Of course. He was. Am I wrong about that? That's the cost of living adjustment like decision. You know what our adjustment is? You adjust. We'll raise prices. Suck it. <laughs> He was with uh, uh, under Ford also because okay. Ford yeah. made Rumsfeld his chief of staff, and Correct. then Cheney became his deputy chief of staff. Yeah, under Rumsfeld. And at the time, his Secret Service code name was Backseat. Backseat. Back oh yeah, because mm-hmm. he was a backseat driver. Yeah, because oh. he was always like he was yeah. like always in the background. He was there. Yeah, I like Secret Secret Service code names. Yeah, I just like them. Yeah. Oh, Russ, you were talking about Dick Cheney. <laughs> sure. Let's talk about Dick, baby. Let's talk about Dick Cheney. Let's, Let's talk, talk about all the bad things and the bad things Cheney did. Let's talk about Dick. This, that's really good. This is really good. Uh, Cheney was one of the people that did push for that whole co-presidency thing. Oh, That might have been his idea. Uh, Ford? Yeah. Ford and Reagan. Ford and Reagan. Yeah. I mean, I've seen the movie with uh, Matthew McConaughey. Nope. Yeah. The other Batman. Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Wait, the other Batman? Robert Pattinson. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Michael Keaton. That Matthew, Matthew McConaughey McC- was Batman at one point? I have a feeling that at one point everybody was Batman. We just haven't seen all of them. <laughs> yeah, you don't see their face. And they oh, all sound, they'll whisper. Yeah. Where like, is she? No, I'm just saying like enough Batman movies were made. Not all of them sure. were released. Yeah. Okay. Like at some point... Ben Affleck was a Batman. Matthew McConaughey was a Batman. <laughs> Matthew Broderick was a Batman. Probably. Nathan Lane was a Batman. Michael Caine was oh, Batman at one point. Michael Payne was, yeah. Michael Payne. <laughs> Michael Caine was yeah. Batman. There Christian Bale was universes. Alfred. <laughs> Michael Bane. <laughs> oh, Batman. Yeah. Christian Bale's like, Batman, I don't think you should go out tonight. <laughs> and they're like, oh, Mr. Alfred, I think we're going to go uh, out as a Batman tonight. Oh, uh, thank you, showed. <laughs> Yours is better. My Michael Caine was uh, from uh, Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> Your Matthew McConaughey meets Michael Caine. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Dick Cheney, tell us more. He was also the ranking member on the House committee that was investigating the Iran Contra. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Up, Didn't know that. So. His whole thing was to limit the powers of Congress and increase the powers of the executive branch. Hmm. Like, to the point of unchecked, he said during the Iran Contra that the president has unchallenged executive powers. That's, I mean, that's how he was Hmm. trying to, you know, get Reagan off. Hmm. I think Nancy did that a lot. (laughs) Well, okay. So he became Secretary of Defense under H.W. Bush. And then after that, he went to the private sector. And he became the CEO of Halliburton in 1996. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Yeah, he was an energy guy Mm -hmm. for sure. And then George W. tapped him, well, wanted him to be VP. Asked him. Or didn't he ask his dad if, no, that was about Rumsfeld, right? Or the party. Was like, we need you to be VP. We'll find the right president for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, no, that's that's the way the movie presents it. The I mean, movie I, about then him it's obviously presents true. it. 
So yeah, yeah. Well, and ever I, I, name a thing you saw in a movie that didn't really happen. That's true. That's you can't. Point. All right. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Love that you asked the question and answered it for me. Go ahead. I, I gave you plenty of time. No, I appreciate what that. the yeah. viewers don't know is Russ cut out three hours of Brian thinking about <laughs> mm-hmm. it. That <laughs> you guys just let me yeah, let me do on sat here in silence. Uh, well, first, listen. Cheney was tapped to find the vice president. Like he, he was, was like, <laughs> all he had to do was look inside. <laughs> the oh, the files are every inside one, the vice every president. Every once in a while, all you have to do is look inside yourself to find the real vice president. <laughs> <laughs> therapist Donald Rumsfeld told him that. <laughs> oh, man. He kept saying that George W. asked him over and over to become the vice president. But no, since Cheney can... had had so many like three heart attacks before then it wouldn't even be a viable thing he also had a lesbian daughter he couldn't stand that's true that he thought was a political liability Mm. yeah so that was that was the real like thing reason he didn't want to run for vice president was because in he told bush that he's like i think my daughter's a liability and george bush was like that's not a problem at all like we love your daughter she's great yeah yeah like to his credit a lot of people like uh, Lamar Alexander got like one call and saying, oh, you're under consideration and then never heard from anybody again. And that was like the story mm. across the board because, okay. you know, That's Dick what it was eventually like looking became... for a job when I first moved to Indiana. What's that? Huh? Hmm? <laughs> anyway. All right. So he became vice president. There you go. And yep. then one oh, of the first he? things. Who's Leon he... Alexander? <laughs> I still want to know. It, I don't think you it was Leon. Lamar Alexander was a... Who's... Uh, I think he was a senator who's from New Jersey. Alexander? <laughs> who's Jason Alexander? Lamar Alexander is a retired American lawyer and politician who served as United States Senator from Tennessee. Tennessee. From 2003 to 21. I think he was very tall also. He was what a was Republican his and his wife's name was Honey. I think he, his wife's name was Honey. Yep. Honey Alexander. Honey what Alexander. What? <laughs> All oh, right, he became vice president. Tell me yeah. the more first... about Larry Alexander. Yeah. Cheney. He shot a guy too. Yeah. yeah. So he was also going. That's why I made the full joke. Wait, who's going quail hunting? Uh, I... <laughs> he was he was quail hunting. Solid ICP reference, Russ. <laughs> yeah, he was quail hunting in his. Who's Jenkos. going quail hunting? <laughs> Cheney's, Cheney's going. going quail hunting. Yeah. So he was. Quail hunting with a lawyer named Harry Whittington, who was okay. 78 years old. And... Old. <laughs> very old. Why does that man have a gun? Yeah. No. <laughs> um, At some point, you got to be like, nah, you got to give that to me. Why does Cheney Sorry. have a gun? Anyway, he had a 28-gauge shotgun with birdshot. Like, I like that we're giving that guy a gun. He doesn't have a driver's license, because that's dangerous. Here's oh, a the gun. old guy. Here's a good yeah. 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 It's not funny. Like, legitimately, it's right. kind of funny. Shot him in the face. No, it's funny. It's... He shot him in the face, the neck, and the chest because it was birdshot. Because it's yeah. not us. Yeah. 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 All right. So he <laughs> shot him, and the doctors could not get all of the birdshot out. Oh. And <laughs> shot him. Who's They saying? left. Uh, <laughs> They left. So he had to build like some sort of uh, like electronic heart. He comes out. Put Iron in yeah. that kept the bird shot out. <laughs> no, so they, they left. Dick Cheney created Iron Man. <laughs> they, 
they left 30 pellets in his body. Oh, wow. Right. That's and then, a lot of bird shot. You know, like two days later, he suffered a cardiac arrest yeah. and collapsed lung. And because they found pellets in his heart. Yeah. Right. Dick, Ch- yeah. Dick did that. He, he, he had surgery. Wellington had surgery. Okay. And then after, after the surgery, he held a press conference. Mm. This is what he said. This was his prepared speech. Okay. Whittington was subsequently discharged from the hospital on February 17th, he 2006. He said this part? He didn't. That's interesting. Talking about <laughs> That'd it. That'd be a wild way to open his speech. But this is what he said. The third person. He report. said, my family and I are deeply sorry for everything Vice President Cheney and his family have had to deal with. Wow. We hope that he will continue to come to Texas and seek the relaxation that he deserves. Wow. He apologized. To Cheney for getting shot in the heart. Yeah, for getting in front of the pellets. And Cheney's to blame. You gave Wellington a bad heart. Shot through the heart. And Dick's to blame. Oh, man. Yeah. Isn't that wild? That is crazy. Uh, I don't know. The sheriff that showed up, his name was Captain Kirk. That's, That's pretty great. funny, right? That's cool. That's cool, yeah. All right, thank he's, you, Russ. He's the worst. Mm. But I, I can't... Is he... I mean, you've said that there's about no, multiple I vice did. presidents before. Dan Quayle, terrible guy. It, but actually, he's, yeah. He's terrible for like... He's terrible for like three... <laughs> for like three instances. Mm-hmm. Cheney is terrible the entire time. Like, he was... I feel like he was... Go ahead. It's okay. Cheney perpetrated 9-11. Oh, so, you know, speaking of 9-11, thank you, Russ. Wow. Hey, you're welcome. Um, wow. That's going to be cool. Of the all wow. the people that tried to warn Bush about Al-Qaeda and bin Laden, mm-hmm. Vladimir Putin oh. tried to tell him in Warsaw when they first met, and Bush just assumed it was because Russia had been fighting a war in Afghanistan previously. Hmm. Okay. Discount it. There were so many things. Yeah, Russia and Afghanistan was like late seventies. No, eighties. Oh, through the 80s. there were stuff yeah. when I was there that was still Russian because they just yeah. kept it. Well, I mean, I mean, lived through it. it stays here. Cheers now. When you say you were there for people who haven't <laughs> heard throughout, when what was your sort of timeline when you were in the army? Because you were you served in both still, Afghanistan and Iraq. I was in Iraq. From 2009 to 2010, eight months later, I was in Afghanistan from 11 to 12. So this was much later. It was on the and, heels of, of Bush's no, but actions. Parts of, actually, it was like my Obama was president second then, right? weekend in Fort Bliss is when Obama won the election. Okay. No, I got, I got there in July, so the election okay. was November, but still. So Obama was your commander-in-chief. Correct. But... You were there from the consequences of Bush's administrations. Yeah. When I was in Iraq was yeah. right after he signed the SOFA agreement. meant that anything we wanted to do, we had to have the Iraqi police or the Iraqi army in front. Okay. And so anytime we had a mission we wanted to accomplish, we had to be like, hey guys, we got this thing. Do you want to take us? And they'd be like, no. <laughs> so <laughs> The translator would then turn and go, they're out. Yeah, we so we that. didn't do anything. Afghanistan was different. Mm-hmm. It was um, much more intense and uh, mission critical. 
there, there was a lot more fighting, I should say. But we did get so far south down by the Argandab River that like there were mu- Russian munitions wow. that had just been shelled out and were used as like flower beds. So okay, interesting. Like, and it was like you'd walk into a house and be like, "Well, that's a yeah, a unexploded Russian." <laughs> Uh, you know, artillery round from 1987 that is now a flower bed. Is there something uniquely historically significant about that river? Not the Argandab. Well, probably yes. But, and when I was in Iraq, where we were was right in the middle of the Tigris and Euphrates. Oh, wow. So like, depending on what religion you follow. Sure. Quite literally the birthplace of civilization. Like I've driven a Humvee in between the Tigris and Euphrates. I actually wow. uh, flipped a Humvee into the Euphrates once on accident. Okay. Not we my fault. Need that story, please. Mm-hmm. Okay. The right. ground gave way. We went in. Yeah, there uh, it is. And <laughs> we had to wait like seven hours for a wrecker to come pull Gosh. the Humvee out of the Euphrates. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. You were driving. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Did you, no. get tr- you get in trouble for that? I mean, there's not much you could do. Like if you're yeah. driving and the road gives out and there was mm. no real danger because it was Iraq after mm. well, and it was 09 Iraq, which yeah, this is different is, than 03 Iraq. That's correct. Yeah. We're talking of all of the weapons of mass destruction we found. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't even talk about the UN security council speech the day after a year after nine 11. So September 12th of Oh two is when Bush spoke before the UN Security Council making his case for military action. He also, in that speech, he warned that the U.S. would move alone if the council didn't act. A lot of uh, members of the Security Council, including France, Germany, Russia, they all had severe reservations. About Wasn't that. that the Colin Powell speech? That was he a, was like, I found this. I think that was a different yeah. one. We found that. I think it might have been a different speech. And all of it was a lie. Bush spoke and Powell spoke, I believe, in front of the U.N. Mm-hmm. at different times. October of 2002, a month after Bush's speech in front of the Security Council of the U.N., it's like the Senate voted for it 77 to 23 and the house had earlier voted for it 296 to 133 so they've got bipartisan support to go to war in iraq yeah but under the premise of there's a dictator weapons of mass destruction the only reason why would he have ever gone there like saddam was not connected not saying saddam was good sure not saying that at all but like, how are we connecting nine eleven to Iraq? Yeah, like it's purely the Dave Chappelle sketch where he was like, "That dude tried to kill my father." There was a speech that Cheney gave in front of the Cato Institute when he was still the CEO of Cato Halliburton, mm-hmm. the Cato Kalin Institute. <laughs> what would that be like? <laughs> <laughs> Big hair. Yeah, it's a multi level marketing scheme. <laughs> Uh, where he said, the good Lord didn't see fit to put oil and gas only where there are democratically elected regimes friendly to the United States. Occasionally, we have to operate in places where, all considered, one would not normally choose to go, but we go where the business is. To your point, Russ, and this is strictly my own conjecture as, as we're just talking. This is not any research I've done, but it does not seem I feel as like though, from like episode 40 on should just be opinion piece by the yeah, NYT right because we've we've definitely gone off the rails I, well, of our I, normal I it to. doesn't Vodka. seem as though I haven't you George have told W. Us Bush multiple times before this episode you hated W I didn't like him no you haven't given me any listen reason to tape listen to the tape yeah it you have not made it seem it like does not strike me that here. that W would have come up with the 
okay, well, if we do this, even if it is under the guise of this reason, I mean, Tenet was in on it. You know, Pal went up and spoke before everybody. Confusing movie. I don't see George W. Bush as having the geopolitical acumen to go, if we do this, then this is going to affect the next 50 years of the Mideast and U.S. geopolitical situation, and we should totally do this, and da-da-da-da-da. It seems as though there had to have been multiple angles coming that he would say, okay, I'll go with this decision. I don't think he it was his brainchild. Do you think that anybody who was in on the decision to do it was thinking what the Middle East is going to look like 50 years well, from Well, I'm thinking, no, you know, putting nobody an em- ever thinks about that. But putting an embassy in the heart of Baghdad? Yeah. The green zone. Yeah. You got to think, though, that people are obviously calculating how can this best serve U.S. interests by putting... Yeah. I feel like I've heard it say that it's the biggest embassy in the Mideast that we may have. Let me check that. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Ryan. If you need custom-made t-shirts for your team or organization, look no further than our good friends here in Indy, The Art Press. The Art Press is a local, eco-friendly small business that's been around for years here in Indy, designing and printing all the super comfortable shirts you may have seen through their parent company's store, Vardigan. We've worked with them on our awesome new shirts that feature Thomas Jefferson writing a fire-breathing mastodon, and our experience couldn't have gone better. If you need help creating a design or you have your artwork ready, ready to print, Derek and the team at The Art Press can help you get your orders set up online quickly and easily. Plus, they ship everywhere and offer excellent customer service. Get a quote on your order of shirts today at theartpress.com. That's theartpress.com. Welcome back. He ran for re-election against Massachusetts Senator John Kerry in 04. And And all uh, we had to say was, John, why the long face? (laughs) <laughs> he won 50% of the popular vote, a little bit over that, and Colin Powell resigned shortly after. Tenet had resigned prior that summer, and so Bush appointed former National Security Advisor Condoleezza Rice uh, to become the next Secretary of State. Well, speaking George of Bush. Hurricane Katrina... George Bush does not like black people. There's the Kanye West yeah. quote, of course. <laughs> Mike Myers' face is amazing when <laughs> Kanye said Just that. He's standing next to him. He's like, like what? That looks- really? Because it's Mike Myers, it looks like an SNL skit, yeah. but it is live. Yeah. Uh, Hurricane Katrina, oh, devastating yeah. uh, storm. He was on vacation, and he decided, like, let's just see. Uh, right. Did you guys know that George W. Bush almost died in a grenade attack? Grenada. No, gren- <laughs> well, that's daddy's work. <laughs> no, he almost died, but the grenade didn't go off. So he's giving a speech in Freedom Square in the nation of Georgia. The Georgian president, Mikhail Saakashvili, oh. was seated nearby. Oh, yeah. That's it. Oh, his kid played for Creighton. In basketball? Uh-huh. Is that right? I don't know. Mikhail so there was a guy, that, there was a Georgian kid that played for Creighton whose name was Mamu Kashvili. What you just said. He was probably the son of Georgian president. Mikhail Sakasvili. Yeah, I mean, how, I mean, There's a biblical be... character named ha- Whose Bible, Russ? Uh, Whose Bible? Yours or? I mean, mine's Ryan's. everybody's. The Tanakh. Well, no, but like. The Torah. Ha- Hakashvili. They talk about him during Purim. Oh. So not Ryan's Bible. Well, Purim is from the book of <laughs> uh, Purim's from uh, Esther, right? Yeah. No, Esther Purim's and Mort- Christopher Guest. Hakash- Home for Purim. Yeah. No, there's a movie. Yeah, it, but it's Purim. not Home for Purim. It's um, a Home mighty, for Thanksgiving. It's by not the a end mighty of wind. It. Hold on. By the end of it, it's Home for Thanksgiving. It is a mighty wind. Is it no, a mighty wind? No, not Home for Purim. Yeah, uh, no. 
It's not. It's, a Mighty Wind is them in a band. Yeah, but it's, it's one the of their folk. specials or yeah, something. Yeah, it's the folk. Uh, it's called For Your Consideration. For Your for Consideration. Because right. they're making a movie called Home for Home Porum. Porum. That's yeah. right. That they're trying to get Oscar consideration for. And then once it gets buzz, yeah. it changes to Home, Home for, for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. <laughs> anyway. Christopher Guest is uh, a GD genius. I love Christopher Guest. There was a guy who threw a grenade Shoe. at the stage that Bush was speaking on, but it didn't detonate because a handkerchief was wrapped too tightly around it. He yeah. was... Day one. he es- The guy escaped, but then he was arrested. And then wh- during his arrest, he killed one of the agents that was taking him prisoner. And he was given a life sentence. So this is some dude who just wanted to take out George Bush and the Georgian president, Mikhail Saakashvili. Why did he have a handkerchief wrapped around him? I don't know. Like to, like, to keep it from view? Or is there some Probably. kind of... It prevented, it prevented the safety ledger lever from detaching. Oh. So he probably assumed. So, yes. So you pull the pin and then you sweep the, like, I don't remember what it's called, the thing off and yeah. you throw it. He probably assumed when he would throw it. So he probably pulled oh. the pin before he, he got there. And uh, the, the handkerchief yeah. held down the spoon. That's what it's called. Got it. So he probably assumed when he threw it, the handkerchief would release the spoon, which is what releases, like, they call it cooking the grenade. Oh. Oh. May I ask, what? have you ever fragged out? Have you fragged out? Have you ever have thrown ever a grenade thrown? in combat? Uh, no. Okay. I have shot she a shot grenade. a grenade, though, yeah. In combat. Yeah, grenade launcher. That's cool. <laughs> That's really but cool. But I've never, no, I've never thrown a live yeah, okay. grenade. Well, I've thrown a live grenade in training. In I've training. never done it in combat. Okay. I have, however, shot a Mark 19. What's a Mark 19? It's a automatic grenade launcher. Oh, oh boy. It's like a machine gun for grenades. Wait, and I, seriously? Does it sound just yeah. like... Foom, 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 it's foom. exactly what it sounds like, actually. Foom, foom, That's foom, wild. Foom. Yeah. Um, but I've also I wow. uh, carried a 320, and which is the single action grenade launcher on the okay. bottom of your rifle. Okay. Well, it was a 203 when I carried it, but now it's called 320. Is that a standard issue thing? Like, all guys get that? or Not all. No, there's specific people that get Like, as if you're a okay. driver, you get a 203 or a 320. Cool. There's doctrine to it, and that's yeah. not important at this time. This picture yeah. of the, of the I've Mark definitely, 19. like... <laughs> I like the idea of a podcast where Ryan and I just ask you how different things sound, like different <laughs> munitions sound. Does it sound like this? Thunk, thunk, thunk. Thunk. Yes. Thunk. Yep. Does it sound like this? <laughs> yep. That's a god fart. Yeah. Uh, the warthog. Right? Yeah. Say- <laughs> I love that that's what you and I are like, oh, the automatic grenade launcher <laughs> yeah. must go. That is actually correct. Totally. Let's get him out of office, shall we? He loses. Although you wanted to talk, Blaine, about the McCain bill. Okay, so a couple things. So the way that he opposed his opposition in like in the country, the we'll we'll just say the way he like approached Democrats. Okay, he was very nice, and he would say things like, "I." Hear their view. They're a good person. I disagree. Okay. My question is, is that better than the landscape we're in now? Is the view of 
But is it better? Because he was still going to do whatever the heck he wanted. Yeah. But it's not going to... He's not sending that message out of... You can only be on two extremes. So I I hear you. But is it worse to be openly like, that's ridiculous. I hate it. This person's an idiot. Or is it worse to be like, no, I hear what you're doing. Mm, And in the shadows... Mm completely ignoring all that and being like the public doesn't know what we're actually doing behind closed doors. Hmm. I think it's going to be that way no matter what. Which way? Where the public doesn't know what we're doing behind closed doors. But this sucks. He's not dividing the country as much with like... like Rhetoric? With rhetoric, right? Mm-hmm. Like he I wasn't- will say that. Like he did a really good job. We'll save that for legacy. Okay, that's fair. I like I like where we're headed, though. I mean, let's let's so dive in. What there. you're talking about? But yes. So yeah, yeah. he basically the McCain Amendment banned torture. Mm-hmm. He said there was con- well, he your Cheney. boy yeah. Cheney said Cheney. there's constitutional authority to give the CIA to do what they needed to do. Do you know what that was called? I think. It was called the American Servicemen's Protection Act. No, that's different than this. So this was basically like Congress came out and said, you're not allowed to torture. And Bush and Cheney came out. Well, and I'll I'll, hold on. Let me read this. Find the page. Gene Edward Um, Smith. He basically said the executive branch shall construe the new torture ban in a manner consistent with the constitutional authority of the president to supervise the unitary executive branch and as commander in chief and consistent with the constitutional limitations on judicial power, which will assist in achieving the shared objective of Congress and the president of protecting the American people from further American attacks. What he was saying was, Hey guys, keep doing what you're doing. I can overwrite it and then he went on to essentially sign these documents saying that congress actually they can pass laws but it doesn't matter if it's in the time of war i'm allowed to say what is good and what is not good Mm. i I think that's what throws me right so you you always know that we always know there's clandestine stuff happening you always know that we're torturing somebody Somewhere, but they kind of keep it under wraps. But I feel like with Bush and with Cheney, they they tried to just make it into law. Like they they were so brazen about everything they were doing mm-hmm. there. They were just like, it doesn't even matter. We'll tell well, you. Going it doesn't back even to matter. what you were saying earlier about Cheney trying to build up to this presidential authority, like what they yeah. did was they were like, hey. We hear you, Congress. You're telling us we're not allowed to do this. But I'm saying that I'm not going to punish them if they do. Hmm. Yeah. That was the message he sent out was like, you keep torturing people. I'm not going to punish you because I still have judicial authority. Got it. I hear what you guys are saying. It's interesting, too. We didn't really chime in on this a lot, but as the war efforts grew... Bush really W was always kind of a gut instinct guy. Mm. You know, I think that's part of the Texan in him, you know, being a governor in Texas, there was a lot of 
that, but then being president, I think what threw a lot of people was how unilaterally and how he would just say, nope, I made up my mind. This is what we're doing. I'm the president. Buck stops here. Hmm. I'm going. Mm -hmm. And I think even people within the U.S. government were nervous about that. I think on both sides, too, because there were some reservations on... I mean, even though it was unilaterally passed to go to war in Iraq, there were still... I mean, you can count the numbers of how many people voted against it within Congress. But... Go ahead. We went in false pretenses. And also, like, there's a huge difference the way that he approached it afterwards. And he did ignore... Uh, Rumsfeld's like list of like here's the things that could go wrong. Sure, but like the most important part of that is like think about the difference between a liberated country and a occupied country. Okay, post World War Two. Yeah, we took France back, and we took De Gaulle over there. Okay, and we were like, hey, De Gaulle runs your stuff now, and people then and he was able to because they were so excited. They weren't controlled by Hitler and Mussolini or whatever. They would they would listen to that guy. They were very struck between like two like factions. There was like a communist France and a we'll call them democratic France. Sure, De Gaulle was able to squash that and just say we're France. We're French. Oh, okay. Eisenhower, yeah. against the will of what DC wanted him to do said, no, de Gaulle needs to run this. He's French. We don't need to occupy France. Sure. At the same time, in Germany, we did not allow any German to go, like, rule Germany. Mm -hmm. We put in a military, like, leadership, American military leadership, and said, you will go under our rule for a while. That is the difference between liberation and occupied at the end of a war, Iraq's army expected us to give them the liberation treatment. Hmm. What we did was we occupied. And very quickly, Iraq's army was like, this isn't what we signed up for. Hmm. I'm not a fan of this. Yeah. And then we stayed there for 15 freaking years. Hmm. Yeah. Not only that, but put a footprint, the biggest embassy in the world, well, in the I'm, heart of Baghdad. So let's take... Let's assume he didn't go there for his daddy. And let's assume we got this really bad dictator out. You give that to the liberators. Hey, we did it. We got the bad guy out. Here you go. You take it. Yeah. You don't occupy. He wanted to occupy for some, to your point, like Maverick, Cowboy. I have to control this. We won. We have to keep winning. We should say... Towards the end of his presidency, you know, there's the 08 economic downturn. There's a major crash of the stock market. There's the controversial bailout of financial, you know, banks, car companies. There's a recession that Obama now inherits from W. Okay, he's out of office. He largely withdrew for for a time from public life. He took up painting, starting with his pets, then world leaders that he came in contact with as president, now military veterans. Blaine, you know someone in one of his books of painting, right? Two of them. Portrait of Heroes, is uh-huh. that what it's called? Yeah, no, I have the book downstairs. Yeah. Two of them, My First Sergeant and uh, Andrew Montgomery. There you go. Hmm. His memoir called Decision Points, he teamed up with President Oh, Cl- I have the book. Decision Points? Oh, I've read it. Yeah. He teamed up with Clinton to help victims of the Haitian earthquake in 2010. Mm-hmm. He also took trips to Africa to raise awareness for cervical cancer prevention 
and was a strong advocate for veterans suffering from PTSD. So one thing we have to give him credit for is the AIDS epidemic Mm. in Africa. Yes. For all of his faults, you have to give him credit for that. Yeah. He was the only person pointing it out. He was the only person that was like front of line trying to stop that epidemic, put millions if not billions of dollars towards it, and like made a huge impact. Mm -hmm. That is an important thing that we have to point out that he did correctly. What were his views on immigration? For some reason, when I think back on George W., I feel like he had more of an enlightened view on immigration than other uh, Republican politicians. Is that not true? I thought he had a more centrist view on immigration than others. I would say that. I mean, on immigration, sure. Yeah. You know, he he called for a, I mean, on other issues, he called for a late-term abortion ban. He called for a ban on same-sex marriage after Massachusetts started offering licenses to same-sex couples. Uh, have you guys heard of uh, Project BioShield? No. Did you hear about this? Uh, Star Wars. So this was, I, I believe, on the heels of the anthrax scare in his first term. But he called for, I think, like $7, 8000000000 billion worth of defense dollars for bioterrorism prevention. So he stockpiled vaccines for anthrax for 25 million people. It came up with a a smallpox vaccine, a long-awaited children's version of an anti-radiation pill. Mm -hmm. This passed the House 414 to 2, and it passed the Senate 99 to 0. So George Bush had a huge... uh, moment of hey we're gonna pass legislation we need to be ready like he saw it coming in 2004 his presidential library is second only in size to reagan's it's on the campus of southern methodist university in texas 207,000 square feet bush said in 2013 quote ultimately history will judge the decisions i made and i won't be around because it will take time for the objective historians to show up so i'm pretty comfortable with it i did what i did end quote there's a lot of things we didn't cover so many things. Yeah. So many things happened in eight years. And yeah. culturally. I mean, so not many. just in his administration, but culturally as well. I mean, like you can think back to other two-term presidents and not this much happened. Or yeah. maybe we're wrong. Maybe like because we lived through it, it sure. seemed like right. more things happened. Yep. But good night, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We didn't talk about TARP. The fact that he oh, yeah. finally passed TARP mm-hmm. was a good thing. It was a good thing. But Gosh dang, if it wasn't way too stinking late, yeah. the whole reason we got into it is because he didn't bail out Lehman Brothers. And holy crap, if the fact that we have to bail out a bank oh, we're... isn't the problem to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. TARP, so, the Troubled Asset Relief Program, if you're looking oh, yeah. on uh, So it's weird that like we have to give him credit for passing it. Sure. Mm-hmm. But had he not passed TARP, we're probably in another yeah. Great Depression. Sure. And Oh, that we just yeah tail end of 08 into it yeah. thanks obama uh he wrote a biography of his father uh called 41 that was published on veterans day of 2014 he was overheard <laughs> this is so fun he was overheard calling trump's swearing in quote some weird shit, end quote <laughs> okay that's fair <laughs> even for w like, to go this is weird i just like that him and michelle have become friends that is, that is fun yeah like fist bumps and everybody's yeah. like He's a war criminal. And I'm like, they all are. Appreciate their friends. <laughs> Didn't Ellen catch a lot of flack for sitting next to him at a baseball game? Oh, yeah. She did. Ellen, well, that and, 
you know, hitting her voice. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about his legacy. We had mentioned earlier that he was the president who has had the highest and lowest uh, approval rating, uh, obviously his highest after the 9-11 attacks and his lowest as he was I mean, it's on hard to out. ignore the fact that he traded Sammy Sosa for Harold Baines. <laughs> like, I love that's, you still hook on like that. Point one of his, am I wrong? At least. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that's the start of it. It's interesting because for those of us who who lived through it, there was in the moment how he was as president. Then after he actually improved in poll ratings among both Republicans and Democrats as time went on. He was ranked, let me in 2009, he was ranked in this survey that we always pull from the C-SPAN's presidential historian survey. He was 36 in 09, and now he's 29. Oh, he's going to continue. He's to getting up. better. He's getting better over time. In in what thirteen years as we're recording this, he's yeah, gone from thirty six to twenty nine. Well, okay, there's lots of things I will say when we do our like ranking. Yeah. He will be ranked ahead of anybody that owned people. Mm. So I do understand as we progress as a society, sure, sure. we are going to understand. Like, yeah, no, those dudes weren't perfect. Mm-hmm. As much as we we want to pretend like they were, here's uh, one of his legacies. He's he's below Ford and above Arthur. Just a heads up, as far as where he where he sits in the ranking. Man, mm, knowing sucks. what we know about what Arthur did during presidency, do you remember Arthur? I thought that was before. Was that the rape situation? No, Dudley no. Moore. Arthur's the one that came up in the Tammany Hall. Yeah, like. Um, he oh, yeah. fixed all and he the, turned uh, it around. He and fixed then all the as corruption. As soon as he became president, he was like, "Holy crap! I have responsibility now." Who and he got thinking? rid of all the people that got Cleveland? him. There. I'm thinking Cleveland. Cleveland's the one with the weird rape. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. I hear what you're saying though. Yeah, Arthur. This is, sorry, yeah. Cleveland's one of the ones with the weird rape. It's weird he'd be above Arthur because at least Arthur recognized the weight of his position. Hmm. He probably didn't earn his position, but once he was in it, he realized, I need to do the right thing here. You don't think that Bush was trying to think through that lens? No. I And I don't think it was any fault of his own. Hmm. I think that, like we talked about earlier in the episode, Dad did this. I followed all the right footsteps. Yep. I'm doing the right thing. He always just seemed like a puppet to me. Okay. Like... When you heard him talk in an interview, he never came across as intelligent, right? Okay. He never came across having I outside think- of outside of like compassionate conservatism and his religious beliefs where yes. he seemed like he had a stance on it. Everything else seemed like he was just doing what somebody else said. Okay. I, I at least that was my impression at the time. Yeah. And I don't I, which sounds somewhat familiar to current. Yeah. Well, I think that's different. There's day. a difference between not caring and not knowing. So you think he didn't? How can we even determine whether he cared, though? Yeah. That's like, how fair. Can, you know what I mean? Like, it's so subjective. I don't know. I, I, I remember. Like, I at think the time, that he thought he was in charge at all times. I don't think that he had the, like, the, I think to your point, he didn't know what he didn't know. I, I also don't think he wanted to become a wartime president. I mean, there's a no. quote that he's like, I became something that I never wanted to oh, be, and no, that's a no. wartime president. It felt, I felt the opposite. Reading really? This. Okay. I felt that he very much wanted to be. Like, really? He said multiple times in this book, I'm the war president now. 
Hmm. Like, hmm. he really, really relished being the war president. Really? If we wanted to like, the impression give it a I second, got. I'll find it. He did have the gaffe recently in May of 22, where he accidentally called the Iraq war unjustified and brutal, but he meant Ukraine. Yeah. Remember that? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I can remember being on spring break. So that would have been March of 02. Is that when the bombing, the air raid started on Iraq? No, uh, Iraq was 03. Afghanistan was 02. 01. 01 into 02. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I thought I, I mean, I clearly remember being on my grandparents' couch in St. Petersburg, Florida. Why, oh, maybe it was 03. That's right. Mm-hmm. It was 03. Spring of 03. No, I know that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not we disputing. I'm permission to go into Iraq until 03. I'm not disputing. I remember it being a different scenario. Anyway, here's some other uh, George Bush quotes. You teach a child to read, and he or her will be able to pass a literacy test. I got one. Go ahead. He said, I couldn't imagine somebody like Osama bin Laden understanding the joy of Hanukkah. <laughs> he could understand it, right? What? Osama bin Laden. He could understand the that joy of Hanukkah. was at a White House menorah lighting ceremony. I don't ceremony. think bin Laden could understand the joy of anything. That was two, that was two months after 9-11. It's December of 01 at the White House for a menorah lighting ceremony. There was actually like one of the pictures from Osama Bin Laden's computer was Tony Soprano with SpongeBob. Oh, my. No, that was. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Russ, everything. Um, (laughs) Here's another one. Tribal sovereignty means that it's sovereign. I mean, you're a, you've been given sovereignty and you're viewed as a sovereign entity. And therefore, the relationship between the federal government and tribes is one between sovereign entities. Oh, that's true. It's just God, that's prolific. <laughs> I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. <laughs> what? Hmm? That picture was on oh. Bin Laden's computer. Wow. Do you think Bin Laden was inside the SpongeBob costume? No, I just think that and that's, that was this is what I, I meant. My Soprano. opinion is he used that to be like, see how fucked up America is. Here, wow. here's what I think. I think Osama Bin Laden really wanted to meet Tony Soprano. And he couldn't do it. You know, he had to do it undercover. So mm. he dressed up in a SpongeBob costume. Hmm. Hence I the didn't picture. realize SpongeBob he was 6'5". Like, <laughs> There's an old saying in Tennessee. I, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, Fool me once. Shame on shame on you. Fool, fool me. You can't get fooled again. <laughs> if this were a dictatorship, it'd be a heck of a lot easier just so long as I'm the dictator. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> That's true. yeah. He's right. He's right about that. He is, and I don't even think that was meant with like ill intent. I just think he's too dumb. Okay, like so that's my it's position. Wild. This guy went to Yale. Like, think about how many smart kids try mm. and don't go to Yale because this dude's daddy. We got him, daddy. See what you just said though is the way I've always thought about him. What for some reason that he was dumb, but his intention wasn't bad. He always seemed like that he Dude, was too stupid to know any here's, better. Here's but. a really good example of him being disconnected from reality. Yeah. He's in Omaha, Nebraska, talking to a divorced mother. You work three jobs? Uniquely American, isn't it? I mean, that is fantastic you're doing that. <laughs> like, we're promoting. Hmm. Like, you know what's real American? You keep working those three jobs for three Six dollars and twenty five cents an hour. Do you think he was meaning to praise her work ethic and just it came out completely? Oh, hundred percent. Because yeah. he doesn't know any better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't yeah. know how much a gallon of milk costs. I love how consistently 
cynical you've been. It There's is... no reason. There's no reason for anybody to be that rich while looking at somebody working three jobs and being like, I, have no prob- I love that. I have no problem with the cynicism. I actually love that part of you. Uh, George W. Bush is the reason the United States of America rests. Ah. I mean, I think he's the reason that executive powers have uh, hmm. have um, hmm. increased so okay. dramatically in such a short period of time. Okay. And there was direct ramifications of it, like immediately. Okay. I think he's the reason that we've been able to justify partnering with the Saudis while hating other Middle Eastern countries. Oh. Hmm. When the Saudis were the ones that did 9-11. It's a fact. We know the people that were hijacking the planes. They're the Saudis. Mm -hmm. Somehow, he has convinced people over time they're okay to partner with, but nobody else in the Middle East. Gosh, there was that whole thing about how many Saudi nationals were getting out of the country. 19. Yeah. Jeez. 19 Saudi nationals were involved in 9-11, yet we invaded... Afghanistan and Iraq. And we're cool with Saudi. I'm going to go with that the global war on terror is still ongoing mm-hmm. with no end in sight. Well, which it, which yeah. here's so the, deal. the war on drugs. Uh, Once yeah, you put I mean, war on it, right. it makes everybody on the other side well, the enemy. And, that's, and it's so terrible. Didn't I mean, isn't this what happened with like how this progressed and gained momentum where he just slapped that label on there of like, this is the global war on mm-hmm. terror now. And we're not only going to we call go, it GWAT. We're we're not only going to go after the Taliban, but now we're going to go after anyone who's harboring a terrorist. Too. And now we're going to go to anyone who is, in my purview, I'm going to name them the Axis of Evil. We're going after there. We're going after there. Mm-hmm. And it's like whoa, 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 whoa. To your point, yeah. Who was directly responsible? You know, Osama bin Laden. At one point, he said he didn't really care where Osama bin Laden was. No, he's like it doesn't matter. No, I'm going after. You know. I'll, I like what you said earlier, Blaine, of like, you know, to his credit. And this whole journey has been like, we've never tried to insert our own politics into this. Now, granted, we've got opinions on certain things. Right. We, yeah. it, but, but we definitely have. But we're looking politics. We're looking at as much of the coin as we possibly can. Granted, we've never positioned ourselves as experts on any of these guys. You know, we read God, one no. book. <laughs> but... I think that future historians will will look at Bush's presidency much differently than we are now who've lived through it. I don't know. I, I just think that they're going to look at it in ways that might not be as... Um, are they going to find more more good or more bad? What do you... I don't know. I'm, I'm seeing the trend of him going up at just at least this one poll where I think it may shift to like, well, yeah, that happened, but he also did this. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I think I could see the trend of him going up because we realize so many bad, bad, bad things early on happened. Okay. So he's going to, like, naturally move up, and then there's going to be a ceiling. Hmm. And then he's going to sink back down. I mean, is that the you trend think? we no, see? No, no, I'm this- saying, like, he's never going to sink back down. Well, I don't know. He, Andrew Jackson's super high still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like in my brain, and well, well, let's save that. Let's save that for a future <laughs> yeah. episode. Let's go into little known facts. Like, because I think it's important. I think we all have our own 
like ranking system. And stay tuned because in two episodes, you'll hear the ranking system. Uh, we should say that we are stopping after Obama for our regular podcast episodes. We are going to have some bonus episodes and some other ones as well. Little known facts. You guys ready? Here we go. Blaine, this will yes. be right up your alley. I don't know okay. if you knew this or not. He's the only president to have ever run a marathon. In 93, two years before he became the governor of Texas, he ran the Houston Marathon at age 46, finishing with a time of three hours, 44 minutes, and 52 <laughs> seconds. Quote, I learned that running can make you feel 10 years younger the day of the race and 10 years older the day after the race. End quote. Hold on. Teddy Roosevelt never ran a marathon? Did marathons not <laughs> well, exist yeah, in Teddy yeah, Roosevelt he time? He didn't know. He, Teddy. <laughs> he probably did without knowing it. He and Born Jeb three. were the first pair of brothers to serve as governors at the same time since 67 when Winthrop and Nelson Rockefeller were the governors of That's Arkansas, Arkansas oh and New York, respectively. So... He is one of only five presidents to date who didn't win the popular vote, yet still won the presidency. Can you name the other four? Hayes. Okay, that was 1876. Trump. Trump in 2016. Good. We mentioned this other one before because of a special Bush. distinction. John this Quincy. Bush. John Quincy Adams in 1824. There's one more, and he's very close to home. Benjamin Harrison. Benjamin Harrison in 1888 oh. here in Indiana. Okay. So JQA, Hayes, Benjamin Harrison, George W., and Trump. If you're playing the game NFL 2K5 on whatever gaming system you're playing, if you create a player with the name George Bush in the video game, his full name will be announced during gameplay. George Walker Bush for oh. the 24-yard run. It's just weird. There is no... Okay. It's just weird, and I found it. On and it's behalf a little known of fact. everyone that plays video games, <laughs> there is no... in. NFL 2K5. You mean ESPN, Madden? ESPN NFL 2K5. All right. Fair. Proceed. That's my last little known fact that Blaine uh, didn't like. The only president that had twins. Oh. Oh. Okay. Clinton had twins. The only president that had twins, Russ. <laughs> All right. Jenna and whatever. Barbara. Were there other ones? Jenna is really? the TV host. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. And whatever. I don't know what Barbara's doing. Anyway. Like, probably being very comfortable. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. First one with twins. Hey, guys, don't forget to order a Jefferson on a Mastodon shirt to show your support of the podcast. They're super comfy, and they're designed by our good friend Dimitri Morrison here in Indy. You can mm. go to either ryansongs.com to get one or the link in our show notes to get yours today. Our next and final regular episode on 44th President Barack Obama. You can get it early and ad-free by joining our Patreon community at patreon.com slash presequential for just five bucks a month. For ten bucks a month, you can get access to all our past and our future bonus episodes, and you will be the first to learn about our next podcast adventure as a team. Thank you for listening to episode 43, The Inarticulate of the Presequential Podcast. 